Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Three things God blesses in a father's life. Three things God blesses in a father's life. Reading to you from Psalm 128. Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor, men, let me hear you say labor, labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Verse 3, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Let me hear all the men say, wife and children. That's right. You got labor, you got the wife, and you got the children. Verse 4, finally, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Three things that God blesses in a father's life. The Bible uses a lot of examples, a lot of illustrations the Bible says concerning a man who fears him and walks with him, that he will work, and when he comes home, the benefit of his work is going to make him very, very happy. And then said his wife is going to be like a fruitful vine or like a grapevine, and his kids are going to be like little olive plants. That's kind of unusual to us. You know, have any of you men ever gone up to your, up to your wife and smiled real big and say, hey, good-looking grapevine, you know? <laughs> gone up to your kid, oh, what a cute little olive plant you are right there. These, this is Hebrew way of thinking, Hebrew way of thinking, but today we say, hi, honey, hi, sweetie pie, aren't you just the cutest little sugar I ever saw? Why, because honey's good stuff, and sugar is good stuff, and maybe you have your own little nicknames for your wife and kids. And chances are it's some kind of fruit, right? <laughs> Something really sweet. So that's what the Bible is telling the men these days. That just as you like apple pie, your wife is going to be like an apple pie. <laughs> and just like you like maybe chocolate chip cookies, your kids are going to be like cookies in your house someday. I've come to tell you, the man who walks with God and fears the Lord, not only will he bless you, but your spirituality will have a carryover to your job, to your wife, and to your kids. And not only are they going to be a blessing, but a blessing back to you. I've come to tell you that God does not want to curse the dads today, but bless the dads today. And that is your job, your wife, and your kids. And I got a feeling out there that there are many dads out there that gave up on this world a long time ago, gave up on their way a long time ago, got sick of doing things their way and said, God, I depend totally upon you. And the day that you make that choice is the day that you begin to see blessings so many that you don't even know what to do with it. I've come to tell the dads today, you can walk out of here with three great blessings, a great job, a great wife. And a great child, amen. If you believe it, dads, can you clap your hands under the Lord? Praise God. Oh, praise the Lord. 
Recently, I was sitting at the dinner table with my family. My wife had cooked a delicious spaghetti and meatball supper. Mm, I love spaghetti and meatballs. And I'm sitting there eating plate after plate. And I'm looking there at my wife. In that moment, she's a fruitful vine. Being a blessing to me, cooking me a nice supper. And I've got three little sweet kids there. I've got one in the high chair who's throwing meatballs at me. <laughs> he did do that once. And I've got a little seven-year-old there, little girl. And I've got a four-year-old son there. And uh, for those out there, I know they're saying that a lot, especially right now, that there's no difference between girls and boys. After that dinner that night, I'm convinced there is a difference between girls and boys. There is a difference. So I asked our little seven-year-old girl, Melina, I said, how was Wednesday night church? And uh, how was it? And tell me, what did you learn? She said, oh, Daddy, it was wonderful. My teacher, Sister Nix, and Sister Datha taught me a wonderful lesson. She said that Jesus came down, and there was a lady there, and they wanted to throw rocks at her. But the Lord said, don't you throw rocks at her. She is trying to get her life right. And uh, the Lord forgave her and said, does anybody accuse you? And she looked around and said, no. And there was rocks on the ground and the Lord forgave that lady. And I just thank God for forgiveness. And I see Jesus doing that and people in our church. And I'm just so thankful that God still forgives. I mean, I'm crying here in this Bible lesson. Just thanking God you know, for forgiveness and mercy, you know. Just, a just laid it all out there. And I'm just so thankful for a great kids ministry that's teaching our kids stuff like that. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you, team. And then I said to Cohen, who I've nicknamed uh, Tornado, and I said, Cohen, what did you learn? And he said, well, my teacher taught me about Jonah and the whale. And he tried to be serious, but he couldn't help himself. He's a four-year-old boy. He said, Jonah was in the whale three days and three nights, and he went potty in the whale. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a difference between boys and girls. You don't think so? Watch your son put out a campfire with his pee. I'm sorry, I should... Sorry, Mom. Mom's not laughing. <laughs> it's Father's Day, right? <clears throat> In that moment, I'm looking. I got a fruitful vine. And I've got olive plants at the table. Just one evening, one dinner... I'm seeing things that didn't happen overnight, but years and years and years of being loyal and faithful to the Lord and walking with Him. And this psalm is being played out in my life. I got a wife that loves me. I got a wife that loves God. I've got a wife that is a wonderful mother. I've got beautiful children that respect me, respect their mother, respect their grandparents, love this church, growing up in this church. I have seen it and I have tasted of it, literally, that this God is good and his word is alive. And man, if you will walk with him and fear him, his blessing will not only be upon you, but it will flow down even upon your household. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. 
There are three major things that a dad must do in this day and age. Love your children. Love them. Show it to them and tell them you love them. Secondly, you must let them know as often as possible that not only you love them, but that you wanted them. You got to do it, dads, these days. Let them know, I wanted you. I always wanted you. will always want you. And then number three, you need to always be there for them. Always be there for them. The psalm talks about work, and work is a blessing. But understand this, you have to be in two different mindsets at work than at home. When you're at work, men, you need to be driven. You need to have a problem-solving attitude, and you need to have a determined spirit. But when you come home, don't come home and still be at work. Instead, come home and, yes, problem-solve. Yes, be driven on a small scale, but really... What we need to be dads is to be emotionally present for mom and emotionally present for all of the children. That will make a world of difference in just doing that. And then thirdly, you need to walk with God and to fear him. Your wife is depending upon you and your children are depending upon you. And these type of things that you do for the Lord, they will have a trickle-down effect or a carryover effect even in your own home. Psalm 28 is a song of ascent. Maybe you've seen that in your Bible. Psalms 120 to Psalms 135, they're called the songs of ascent. And what they were, they were traveling psalms. When the Hebrews, the Jews, would leave their cities, their towns, and journey to Jerusalem up to the temple on the high holy feast days. These were sort of the songs as they would walk in their carts and their wagons, pulling their children, walking with their wives, that they would sing unto the Lord. Beautiful hymns written as they would journey up to the temple Jerusalem. These were songs reminding God's people as they sung them about his grace and about his mercy, about his great provision, about his great protection, and yes, about his salvation. And the psalmist stuck one in there just for the dads. And it's about the dads that walk with God and fear the Lord that they would be blessed. And I think that's good because if you've ever been on a vacation, Dad, you know it takes a lot out of you. Went on vacation uh, just last week, and uh, my not 20-month-year-old son made it for about an hour and a half and was just done. Cried the whole way there. And then I've got Cohen back there kicking my seat. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we kind of went down southwest, uh, towards the southwest. We kept passing by Brahms, you know, Brahms, and ice cream cone after ice cream cone. Daddy, I want an ice cream cone. I want an ice cream cone. I want an ice cream cone. And you can just imagine in the days before cars when it was nothing but wagons, dads pushing their entire family in those carts to get up to Jerusalem just to worship and singing this song. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed shall be the labor of your hands. You will be happy. Oh, I could use a little bit of happiness right now. On a journey, your wife will be like a fruitful vine. On a journey like that, it certainly doesn't feel like that. You know, then you're pushing a cart, and, and then the kids are screaming, and the psalmist said, your kids are going to be like little olive plants around your table. This was a song to uplift at and remind them why they fear the Lord and why they journeyed to Jerusalem, because it is going to bless your life. Men getting up on Sundays, not wanting to shave, but you shave. Putting on your suit and tie, whatever you wear, you may not feel like it, you may not want to, you want to sleep in. But this psalm is a reminder to every man that woke up this morning, you being here is going to be a blessing to your job, your wife, and your 
kids. Keep journeying, men. Don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on the apostolic church. It'll all pay off one day because the word of God said it would. And my Bible says the Lord said that heaven and earth may even pass away one day, but the word of God will remain forever. Every word, every verse, every letter, even the punctuation point. So don't give up on your son, dad. You keep coming to church. Your son is coming back. Don't give up on your wife, dad. You keep serving the Lord. God is going to bring your wife out of this. I've come to tell a dad, stay encouraged. Stay spiritual. Your family is depending upon it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus, although not traditionally married like we are here today, he did have a job. He did have a bride, the church, and he did have children. It was his disciples. The Lord worked his whole life for that moment to get up there on that cross and die for the sins of the world. It was a joy set before him. It was like the biggest contract he had ever written in his life. It was like getting the biggest client he had ever gotten or the biggest, the greatest year, the greatest moment, the best month he had ever had. He'd waited for that. And that is why there at that last supper, he said, oh, I've looked forward to having this last supper with all of you. I have waited for this last supper. And he unloads and reveals the message to all of those men. He said, as he took the bread, this is my broken body. I've wanted to break my body for you. I've wanted to do this for the kingdom. He said, here's the cup. Drink of it. This is my blood. This is going to be the new covenant for the shedding for the many, for the remission of sins. This is what's going to get people out of hell. This is what's going to get people out of darkness. I've waited for this. You know what's going on? He's feeling the happiness of all that labor and work that he had been putting into the world. And he is sharing it there with his family, his future bride, the church of the living God, and his disciples, his children. You know, often he even called his disciples children, not because they were little boys and little girls, but that was common rabbi language, meaning I am training you as a spiritual father, raising you up in my teaching house to one day become what I am and do as I do someday. One day he said, it's time for you all to have a little bit of a learning experience. And he sent him out to do what he did. You know, Jesus cast out devils. Something to see him do that. He opened up blinded eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. People who couldn't walk, he would say, rise up and walk. And they would start to walk. He would even raise the dead. And he told his little children, everything that I do, you're going to do it. He said, you don't need a lot of clothes. You don't need a lot of belongings, just a nice this and that. Head on out to the towns and start knocking on the door and say, is there anybody sick here? I want to heal them. Is there anybody here demon-possessed? I'm going to cast that devil out of your, out of your son. I'm going to cast it out of your house. Is there anybody here struggling? Is there anybody here brokenhearted? I've got good news for you. And they started preaching and changing town from town to town in all of Israel. And when they came back to the Lord, they said, Lord... We started doing miracles in your name, just like you. We started preaching in your name, just like you. We started healing and we started casting out devils. And the demons are even subject to us, just like you. 
What does the Bible say? Jesus began to rejoice. He began to jump up and down and leap. You know why? His kids are being like olive plants right there at his table. They're growing. They're flourishing. The work that he had been doing is coming to pass. And that same Jesus is up there today in heaven looking down upon his bride and saying, my church, TLC in Kansas City, it's like a fruitful vine. I know it is because I met already a few guests out there. We've got guests here today. we got people hungry for God. we got people that are interested in baptism. we got people interested in the Holy Ghost. we got people here that are tired of being sick and want to walk out of here healed today. We've got dads that want to get things right with the Lord. We've got people that want to start developing a good relationship with their Bible. we got people in here that want to develop a prayer life. The Lord is looking upon Kansas City and saying there is a fruitful vine here in this town. And he's looking at some of us that are newer at this and he's seeing fast and quick and swift growth. I was talking to somebody recently. They said, I used to have the dirtiest mouth, but I haven't used a profane word in over a month. That may not mean much to you, but to them it's a good thing. That means the Holy Ghost is even changing language. It's changing thinking. It's changing attitude. You are being like a little olive plant at the table of the Lord. Praise God. God is saying if he can do it for his own house and do it for his own people, why not even in the individual house? Dads, let me hear you say fear. Now, fear, depression, and anxiety are three horrible, horrible places to be. The fear of the Lord is different. Fearing the Lord is good. Fearing the Lord is actually really healthy for your thinking and healthy for your spirituality. And the word promises all the dads here today that if you will fear God and walk in his ways, you're going to be blessed. Right. Be blessed of God means to have the Lord bestow his favor, his protection, all of that for the benefit and well-being of who he has chosen. And that is you, dad. He wants to do those things. He wants to have favor upon you. He wants his protection to be upon you for your benefit. Right? The fear of the Lord is interesting. It's not to look at God like he is a villain, like he is a nemesis and you're running from him and God is the bad guy. No, not, it's not, God's not the bad guy. You're actually fearing the good guy is what's going on. Fear of the Lord is essentially this. You know that you're not good on your own. And you know you need God in your life and you are afraid of what would happen to your life without God. That's the fear of the Lord. What would happen if I didn't do it God's way? What would happen if I didn't follow him? What would happen if I disobeyed him? And you start to think that way and a healthy fear will keep your life right. We hear about love a lot. We hear a lot about worship. Let me tell you, this fear is just as important as love with your relationship with the Lord. After all, the Bible says in the New Testament, work out your salvation, not with love, not with hope, not with faith, but work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Don't ever just assume that me and Jesus is just like this. Oh, no. He doesn't have to love you, but he does because he wants to. He didn't have to give you a chance, but he did because he sees some potential in you. 
Never ever, sir, just assume that you and God are right. Never ever just assume that you have every entitlement to have salvation and your name written in heaven. Never just assume that you and God are on good terms, but you need to be working out your salvation day by day with fear and trembling. Every day asking the Lord, examining yourself, am I right in your eyes, my Lord? Am I doing it the way you want it to be done? Am I serving you the way? I'm just afraid of what would happen if I get out of your will and your way. You do that, you're going to get the eyes of the Lord on your life and be blessed for it. Praise the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. To walk with him is just simply stay up with him. To keep up with him. To be on the journey with him, to remain in agreement with him consistently. You fear him, you walk with him, your home life, your private world, those closest to you, the things that you do, your work, and what it does for you and your house, your wife and your children will be blessed. It's that simple. I've seen it. I've experienced it. It's real, and you can have it too, Dad. Amen. Break it down a little more in detail for you. Psalm said, you will eat the labor of your hands and be happy and well. You know, work in the beginning was not God's original plan for us men. God said, name the animals and eat of the trees. That was it. God never commanded Adam, go get an eight to five. He never commanded him to go to college. He never commanded him to get employed or do a trade or anything. He just said, name a few things and eat. And then I'm going to let you get married. And they are just going to roll after that, right? But because of sin, God cursed man and said, you're going to have to start working now. You're going to have to go get a job. And you're going to work until you return to the dust. That's why nobody out there truly loves doing what they do. That's why no man out there just loves his job. I've met a few guys that enjoy it. They find purpose in it. But never have I met a man that's just had perfect, perfect days at work. No. Usually one day a week was a bad day at work. Usually one day a week you're like, I'm going to quit this job and I'm just going to go buy a boat and that is just going to be it. You know why that is, men? It's because you and I weren't made for work. You and I have been cursed to work. But work, if you can get it, get it because it's a blessing. Because it is how you live. And the Bible, God's word, never promised a man that you will be perfectly happy and find perfect fulfillment in the job that you choose. It's not there. You know what is there in God's word? That you can get to a place in God. It doesn't matter what job you have, not what you're doing, but rather what it does for you is going to make you happy. It's one of the few places in the Bible that the word happy appears, and it has to do with a man's work. You may not enjoy the job, but when you come home and see what the job provides in your home, food on the table, nice furniture, wife, kids, kicking back here, there, the other, you can find happiness through God in the job he gave you by what it provides. And I've come to tell a dad that's been discouraged every Monday, every Tuesday, Every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, you're not proud of what you're doing. Your boss is just after you, and you've got just a coworker that is just driving you up a wall. 
you've got this going on, you've got that going on, and maybe there's problems even in the inner circle of your company, and you know layoffs are coming, and all of these things are happening. My Bible says that the Lord will sit apart the man who walks with him and fears him, and you're going to go home happier than any of the other co-workers. Trust God to always help you to find purpose in what you do for a living. Never ever believe that this career is just something you got to do all on your own. I think sometimes as Pentecostals, we're that way. We think that only God is here. <coughs> we think God that is only here in the church. That's why a lot of us have a hard time praying. We think God can't move at 5 a.m. in the morning in our living room. We think it's got to be a, a full packed out church, you know, and music rocking. I just love all of that stuff. Let me tell you, the same God that moves here wants to move in private in your home, man. That's a part of walking in fear in the Lord, walking with him. You don't pray, you ain't walking. You don't pray, you're not with him. You're not in the Bible, you're not with him. But as you feel the Lord here now, you can feel him tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. before you ever start your day. Let me tell you what. And then we think it's work. God's not into the work. Oh, my friend, where did Jesus find his disciples? Work. <laughs> He didn't say to anybody who was lazy and unemployed, come and follow me. Oh, no. He said, oh, fishermen, I like the work. You're going to catch them. Oh, the tax collector. Ah, yeah, I want you right there. Oh, you builders, I want you right there. He loved the guys that got out there and worked. And don't be surprised if he starts talking to you while you're at work. Don't be surprised when you start walking with the Lord and get spiritual that all of a sudden your boss starts showing you more attention because the favor of the Lord that is upon you, an employer is going to want that. Co-workers are going to want that. Clients are going to be drawn to that. Don't think for one minute that's just you at, at work all on your own. Oh, no, the Lord wants to get in the car with you. He wants to go to work with you. He wants to bless you and make you happy, man. Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. God will change your perception and your interaction with what you do for a living. Praise the Lord. God wants to bless your wife. He wants to make her like a fruitful vine in the house. You know, a fruitful vine is interesting. There at that time in that part of the world, the main major staples of the diet were like wheat and barley. The Lord didn't say, I'll make your wife like wheat or like barley. He said, I'm going to make her a fruitful vine. He said, I'm going to make your kids not like wheat or barley, but I'm going to make them like an olive plant. It's interesting in that part of the world to have a vineyard, to have the grapevine growing on your land, to have olive trees, olive plants. It meant you were in a time of great prosperity. Because if there were foreign invaders, guess where they're going first? After the vine and after the olive plants. If there was a drought, no vine, no olive plants. But if you had that, you were able to make medicine. You were able to make your food absolutely delicious, and you were always able to have dessert. To have a vine on your land and to have olive plants meant you were extremely well off. I was mowing my lawn the other day, and I've got some uh, Osage orange trees on my property. I don't know if any of you have them. They're kind of rare around here, but these massive trees. One of those trees, I've got kind of an imagination. Sometimes when I look at them, I'm like, are you looking at me, tree? I think it's about to come to life, you know, and attack me. 
Those things just constantly shed these big hedge apples and constantly shed twigs. And I was reading about them about a year ago, and I found out that the Osage orange was a tree that everybody in the old days of America wanted because, number one, it was constantly shedding bark and shedding twigs. You know what that is? Kindling for a fire. You had those trees on your land you were able to cook and to provide for the family. And those hedge apples, when you cut it open and put around the borders of your cabin or your house, it would keep away insects, keep away snakes, and keep away scorpions. So I got to thinking there would have been a day when I wouldn't have been mad at this tree because I'm crunching down with the mower and mowing over those. I don't ever clean up before I mow, by the way. I just, just mow. Just, you, know. and <coughs> you laugh because you do too. But there was a day when a man wanted one of those trees, would envy to have one of those trees. And God is saying, if you will walk with me and follow me and be in agreement with me, just like a man wants to have vines in his backyard and olive trees on his land, that is how I'm going to make your wife and your kids. They won't just be a staple. They just won't be a bare necessity or a commodity. But oh no, they're going to be something sweet. It's going to be like luxury to you. That's what I'm going to give to every man that walks with me and follows me. You'll love what your job does for you. You'll love your wife. You'll love your kids. And as the Bible says, you'll know men by your fruit. You're going to have the fruit before the eyes of the Lord, your family, this church, all of the community, that you walk with God and you're faithful to him. All the men said, amen. My great-grandfather, Turner Gleason, he was the first of the Gleasons to convert to the apostolic faith. The Pentecostals came into town there in the state of Oregon. And if I know my family history right, his wife got the Holy Ghost. All of his kids got the Holy Ghost. How many kids did Turner have, Dad? Eight, eight, eight kids. All of them got the Holy Ghost, and he was the last, the last that still didn't have the Holy Ghost. But he kept on bringing the family to church. He was one of those chronic seekers. And finally, one night, he gave his keys to his wife and said, take the kids home. I'm not leaving until I get filled with the Holy Ghost. He started praying there at about 7 o'clock that night. <laughs> kept on praying. One talking in tongues, he said, it doesn't matter. I'm not leaving until I get it. I don't care if it takes all day, two days, three days, a month, a year. I'm not leaving until I get it. And it was about midnight or 2 a.m. He went from English to speaking in tongues, and my grandfather was baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. <coughs> if I'm a little off on this, this story, Dad, you'll have to straighten me out. But... Um, Sometimes you can get confused, but I'm pretty sure he was the pipe smoker also in the family. And he had a problem. He always smoked a pipe. And um, he'd went to many other types of churches, and he wanted to get rid of tobacco in his life. He knew he couldn't serve the Lord and do it. And anytime he'd go to this denomination or that denomination, he would start walking home, and he'd have that pipe in his pocket, and he would throw that pipe out into the cornfield and go on home. As soon as the sun about to set, he all of a sudden had a nicotine fit, and he'd go back out in that cornfield and dig around until he found that pipe. But after he got the Holy Ghost, was walking home, he saw that cornfield. You know what he did? He took that pipe, 
and threw it out in the cornfield, got back home. One night went by, didn't want to smoke. Two nights went by, didn't want to smoke. A month went by, six months went by. He never had a smoke because that is the power of the true Holy Ghost and the real apostolic church. Delivering power, amen. He's raising a family in the apostolic church during the Depression. He's got a fruitful vine, a wife at his table, and eight kids, little olive plants at his table. Hard times, as you can imagine. And he got a phone call from a British attorney, and he said, Yes, sir, Mr. Gleason, you are the recipient of a very large ancestral settlement, 4.3 million American dollars. You have to move your entire family here to Great Britain to receive it. What do you say? He could have just said yes right there and packed up. But he knew what the apostolic church was doing for himself and doing for his family. And he said, I got to check and make sure there's a church there that I can go to first. Hung up, made a few calls, tried to figure it out. And at that moment, there was no apostolic church in that part of the land that he would have to move to. And he called that that, that attorney back and he said, you can keep your money. I'm keeping my family here in the apostolic church. Gave up $4.3 million to serve the Lord in the apostolic church. His children loved the Lord. After that, his son Wendell grew up, married my grandmother. He served the Lord, their son Stan. And I'm now a descendant of Turner Gleason. And who knows where our family would have been if he hadn't chosen that. So many preachers in our family. So many great musicians, so many powerful authors, so many great things in our family because one man said, I'm not leaving until I get it. And it's real. I'm no longer going back to the ways of the world. I'm going to get rid of this pipe. I'm not going to chase fortune and fame over what is precious here, what I have here in the apostolic church. And that is how our family, I've heard a lot of people talk about our family. We're nobody special. You want, to know, you want to know a secret about our family? Our name is Gleason. Gly, I think in ancient Gallic, meant green. And it was a name not by people who lived by green shires, but given to men who weren't handy. And if you know anything about the Gleasons, we can hardly change a flat tire. Am I right? We're called green, unlearned, can't get it together. I've had many different ideas about that, but that's the one that I'm not so proud of, and it may very well mean that. We were considered green, considered inexperienced, but through the favor of the Lord, God has provided. He has blessed Turner Gleason, Wendell Gleason, Stan Gleason, Justin Gleason, and now it will be Cohen, and it will be Ezra Gleason one day. Praise the Lord. The fear of the Lord will give you success, man. Walk in his ways, amen, will get you accomplished, man. Don't try to do it on your own, but serve the Lord and he will bless your life. I'm seeing this happen in my own life. All of the years of spirituality growing up in Sunday school and youth group and going to Bible college and dedicating myself to the word of the Lord. My wife, Sister Anna, got up here and preached Mother's Day, was that not a fantastic message? I just got to tell you. You know, sometimes she'll let me preach to her in the house. Not, not all the time. 
And her and I like to talk a lot of Bible. Now that was her message. She created it. But there's no way that's a coincidence that she is up there all on her own. I would like to think that my spirituality has helped her be fruitful in the pulpits and fruitful for praying for people here in the altar. By the way, her message has got more downloads than any of the other men that are up here in this pulpit. Me, Bishop, Pastor Nathan, all of them. Hers by far because she just set the woods on fire and just blew this house up. I remember looking around, seeing women crying. I'm looking back and seeing men back there going, oh, my God. In a fruitful vine, my little Melina knows how to get a hold of God up here. She's not baptized, but that day is coming. She doesn't have the Holy Ghost, but that day is coming. You know what's going on? She doesn't even hardly know how to pray. All she does is just cry in the presence of the Lord. And that's what I did at seven years old. I would come up there. I didn't even know how to pray. I just knew how to weep in his presence. And I'm looking down, and I'm seeing a repeated pattern in my own child. First time, Cohen, he's a little more quieter, but he's coming out of his shell and getting loud. Melina was the first to come up here to the altar with her little blanket and her little baby and just up here praising the Lord, you know. And finally, Cohen started coming up here. You know what I saw him do when he first came up to the altar? He did this. And I thought, isn't that sweet? And a couple people said, he's doing what you do. You do that. And I thought, I do? And the other day, I came up here, and I was worshiping, and I was doing this. And the other day, I was up here early morning prayer and just doing this. And I thought, man, I don't know why I do that, but I put my foot on the altar. Maybe because in Revelation, one angel stood on the shore and one stood on the ocean and proclaimed that he was God. I don't know, maybe that's just connection between the pew to the pulpit. I don't know, but I see little Cohen do that. He comes up and puts his foot right there on the altar. You know what that tells me? He's watching me. He's doing it exactly the way I am doing it. And that is what God is saying to the Father. That your wife needs your spirituality for her to fulfill her spirituality. Your kids need you, Dad, so that they could become great in the eyes of the Lord. There is only certain blessings that a wife can have with a spiritual husband. There's only spiritual blessings that a child can have through the spirituality of the husband. And as they sang this in ancient days going up to Jerusalem, God is saying to every man who journeyed to the Life Church on 10400 View High Drive, if you will walk with me, if you will fear me, your wife is going to be fruitful, your children will flourish, and you're going to be so happy with what you do for a living. Let's all stand before God. Oh, praise the Lord. I feel such a tender touch of the Lord here right now. I heard a lot from men, I can't be a dad. There's no way I could do it. I'll never be a dad. I was talking to a young man out in the narthex, and he said, I could never see myself getting married. I could never see myself accomplishing those things. And I thought, well, you're not exactly old enough. I mean, you technically are, but maybe it, it's going to happen, believe me. You know why? Because this young man has a heart for God. I'm telling you, men, trust God. Believe in Him. Your home life may be in turmoil. It doesn't have to be. You make the first move. You notice there's no verse or psalm in the Bible that says, Blessed is the mother who walks with the Lord. Oh, her husband's going to be like a solid oak out there in the backyard. Those little kids are going to be like little strong gourds out there in the garden. No, 
It doesn't say if the children will get it right with the Lord, the parents will just all of a sudden follow along. No, it's always about the dad. The dad, the dad, the leader, the head of the home. If he will make that first move, it just blesses the entire household. I'd like to invite all of the men up here to the altar today. Whether you feel right with God or not, it doesn't matter, you're here. And the word is for you. Whether you're happy or unhappy, this word is for you. Whether you're baptized or not, this word is for you. Whether you're Holy Ghost filled or not, this word's for you. Whether you got a hundred grand in the bank or a hundred grand in debt, this word is for you. If you want to really take your family to another level in this life and the life to come, it's up to you to make that first move, Dad. Don't let the devil lie to you. You can be spiritual. Don't let this world deceive you. You can know the Lord. Blessed is every man, anyone who walks with him, serves him. And maybe you don't know how to do that. Let me tell you, you're doing it right now, sir, just being up here right now. I want all these men to raise your hands right now and say, God, I want to fear you. I know about your love. I know about your grace, but I want to learn to fear you. I want to be afraid of what would happen if I didn't have you in my life. I want to be afraid of what might happen if I turned from you and your word. Come on, men. Time to develop the fear of the Lord in your spirit right now. Develop a good, healthy fear with the Lord. Come on, man. It's time for you to start reading your Bible every morning. Get up a little bit earlier. It's time to start praying every morning before the whole family gets up. Come on. Your wife, your future wife needs it. Your children, your future children, they need it. Come on, the blessing of the Lord is real and he wants to bless you. And if you will just make the journey to his house week after week with this psalm in your mind that I will walk with him, I will fear him. That's right. Oh, this is a beautiful sight. Come on, man. You're not alone right now. There's other dads doing this too. Hey, man, why don't you put your arm around another dad right now, another man right now. I like these future young men's right now, these future dads. Put your arm around another guy right now. Come on, men. Our families need it. Our future needs it. I speak these three blessings upon the men of the life church. You will be happy with your labor in your home, what it does for you. Your wife, your future wife will be like a fruitful vine in the heart of your home. And your children like olive plants at the table. In Jesus' name, this blessing shall come to pass. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.